Hey, everyone. Welcome to my show, my so-called fabulous. I'm Tiffany, and it's so good to talk to you again today. And you can see me on YouTube and my fabulous guest. Everyone, I have asked you and asked you what you would like to hear and see on my podcast. We just want to help people, and I I am getting a lot of information, and I'm getting a lot of, um, gosh, I guess people talking about this, and it's true bullying. And that's a very difficult word to say, but it's bullying. And so I have my dear friend and precious neuroscientist, Stacey Danford with The Grateful Brain back on the show. Welcome. I'm so glad to be back. It always makes my heart so happy when I see your name pop up on my email or my text. Yeah, Yeah. so good to talk to you. And I I appreciate you so much because we are in our fourth season. This is around 140, 145. I'm not really sure, but I'm so proud to have you. You were here back in the beginning. Yes. Gosh, definitely a different studio. Um, Episode number 37. 45, 46, 47, 48, when we did that love. It was back in, I think it was like February or something, building fabulous relationships. And so I want you to go back to 37 and you can certainly get all the information on Stacey and you can follow her, but she is the most fabulous neuroscientist and she's changed the way my brain I think. And is it rewiring my brain? Is that what I'm doing? Yes. Because it's working. It literally rewires. And really, I think neuroplasticity is the greatest discovery of this century. Because we used to think that how our brains were is how they are. And that's just, you know, it's your lot in life and make the best of it and all those things. But they now know that is not true. And I've literally seen on a brain scanner how brains unattach from old patterns and reattach to new ones. It's fascinating. I've seen my own brain on a scan three different times and I was forever changed. When you see what your thoughts are doing, when you don't even realize what's happening, it, it's a it's a game changer for sure. It is. It is. And and honestly, seeing your thoughts for sure. Yes. And I asked you, and we did a pop- podcast a few weeks ago about the holidays. And I asked you the question, is the way that I'm thinking in my openness to change, is that maturity? Or is it really what I'm doing? No, it's, it's, it's called emotional maturity. So we all have, our emotions are affecting everything, even though we don't notice it because it's inside our brain. But they're all, every emotion is releasing a chemical of some sort in your brain that goes throughout your body. And every cell in your body is being altered by your brain. So your thoughts actually really matter. And when you have an awareness that you are changing or an awareness that this thought is not benefiting me, you are actually shifting the wiring in your brain and you are reaching a state of emotional maturity where you don't blame the world and you blame the people Mm -hmm. and they just piss me off and this stupid traffic. And just recognizing, I feel frustrated when there's traffic. But teaching your brain, you are responsible for your emotions. Traffic is not responsible. Your mother-in-law is not responsible. You are responsible for your emotions. That's the highest level of emotional maturity. Because a lot of people, especially our age, we were never taught that. Never taught that. Never taught that. And I also see people that are possibly divorce, lost relationship, that are miserable. Yes. Miserable. I mean... And carry it with them for years and decades and sometimes a lifetime. 
I know somebody personally who is still bitter at age 86 for something that happened when she was in pre-K before mm. school even started. So they didn't, you know, have Mm-mm. schools then, but five years old Mm-mm. and is still mad about it and still holding a grudge 81 years later. What? It is. People do it all the time. I see it everywhere, every day because they don't know any better. Mm-hmm. And you have to, you know, give a little grace. I didn't either. I always thought that if something wasn't making me happy, then it was the thing's fault and including husbands or noses or all mm-hmm. the things I've tried to change in my life. And it's so important for people to understand you are responsible for how you react to what they did to you mm-hmm. or what's being said or the traffic or whatever it is. Okay. I mean, it's it's fascinating. It's it's just fascinating. And you know, I'd say say that. So those people, gosh, you only have one life. One life. Eat it up. Live that sucker. Good. I'm riding into heaven with my roller skates on fire. And chips and salsa too. <laughs> chips and salsa and my red tutu. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, Stacy, I brought you on because I I can't think of a better person to to talk about this because I have heard from some parents, grandparents, and some children that are bullied somewhere. Playground was a, is a common, yeah. is very common in the schools. There's an age span. I know that mm-hmm. you can share that too, but it's real. It is definitely real. And, and it causes real damage sometimes that can last a lifetime if you don't get control of it. You know, I also hear that, and I, I had this with Kennedy too. She told me the last day of junior high, uh, three years or middle school, that, um, she never wanted to see that middle school again yeah. because Mean Girls mm-hmm. and cheerleading was such a great, so great. She did it so many years through high school, but Mean Girls and mm-hmm. I didn't see it. Yeah, we and we don't. And this is probably the, the biggest tip I'm going to tell everybody right now is your brain can never comprehend something that you have not experienced. And it's even more difficult for you to look backwards as an adult to a child's brain. So kids' brains are looking forward to adulthood and trying to look at what's going to happen when I grow up and, oh my gosh, this is going to affect me forever. So their brains are looking forward. But an adult trying to help a child, our brain is looking backwards, but it's looking backwards for me, with 56 years worth of wisdom and knowledge. So when my son or somebody tells me somebody's bullying him, a 56-year-old brain looks backwards and goes, oh, that's not that big a deal. Trust me, you got a lot of more shit coming. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But a child only has 11 years worth of wiring or 13 years worth of wiring. They cannot limit their brain will not go forward because that's all they have. So to them, this is the biggest deal their brain has ever gone through. It's it's the equivalent to an adult going through a divorce. That's a terrible thing to go through. But a child is not going to go through that at 11 or 12 mm-hmm. or 15. Right. So we have to look back as a grown-up and realize, oh, when I was 11 or when I was 12, that was huge. Mm-hmm. That was life-altering for me because that's the only amount of wiring that I had. So when parents say things to them, and I'm so guilty, I said it myself, that, oh, that's not a big deal. You'll get over it. And I I 
if parents will be honest, I think all of us have probably said that at one time or another, but there's a perfect example of an adult brain looking backwards with the wisdom of adulthood realizing that's not that big a deal. Absolutely. And 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 our parents said, shake it off. Yeah. Get over it. Get over it. I, Daryl Brown broke up with me when I was a freshman <laughs> in high school. I was devastated. I was in bed. I was sick. I was just devastated. And my mother said, get your ass out of bed. Yeah. That, I mean, I mean, just was like, I was like, you're so insensitive. Yeah. Like, how could my life has ended? I mean, it's just over. That makes perfect sense. sense. Oh, my gosh. And as a, a grown woman who probably has gone through lots of trauma of her own, looking backwards, she's like, oh, honey, <laughs> your freshman boyfriend, you won't even know him yeah. 20 years from now. I remembered his name, yes. though. <laughs> but for her, she realized because she had 20 more years of experience sure. to go, oh, this won't matter. Yes. But in that moment, mm. as a freshman in high school, it mattered more than anything, anything. in the world. Yeah. And I saw this. I was a teacher for 25 years. I saw this every single day at school. And I knew something, which is why I went back to study neuroscience. I knew there was something going on in these kids' brains that had nothing to do with intelligence. And it was emotions. When those kids were breaking up with boyfriends or girlfriends, they couldn't think. They couldn't do school activities. They couldn't, they failed math tests. Or when their parents were getting a divorce or when somebody was mean to them at recess, it affected their brain and it affected their cognitive ability to function. And it 100% is backed by science. When you are in an emotional state, which bullying definitely is, it affects your ability to think. It affects your ability to reason. You don't make good decisions, which is why, you know, so many people resort to cutting and suicidal thoughts and taking out, you know, doing violence. That's why school shootings happen. Mm. That's why there's so many things that I think neuroscience could help school systems do if the school systems would just look at the problem before it gets started instead of trying to fix it at the end. How do, because I hear from a lot of people, they didn't know yeah. that their children were going through this. They didn't tell. What What is that? Why is it? That is so important because there there's so much shame associated with being bullied. And even for the parents, there's shame because we associate being bullied with weakness and you were the weak one or you were the one they picked on, meaning you couldn't stand up for yourself, which is why so many people resort to violence or, you know, boxing lessons or whatever, because we want to make you tougher. We want to build you up so you won't be the weak one. And so, so many times Kids don't want to tell their parents because really what they're saying to my mom is I'm weak and I can't take up for myself or I'm weak and I don't know what to do or this is beyond my ability to control. And parents don't want to tell other parents because what they're saying is my kid seems weak. Mm -hmm. And so there's so much stigma to bullying, which is part of the reason that it it stays available because mm -hmm. when we keep secrets and we keep things hidden, they only fester and grow. Absolutely. I mean, it's, 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 it's fascinating to me when, what, what do you say to the parent of the bully? 
Yeah. Ugh. It's so hard because the research is really clear. And I looked up a study before I came here. So it was published in 2021. So that's another thing that's really important for people to look at is when you Google things and you look things up, look at the date because Research is changing every day, and especially in neuroscience, brain data changes as quickly as computer data, and it's outdated very shortly because we now can see inside a living brain, which functions very different than the way people used to look at brain matter. So always look at the date because so many times it's outdated and that no longer works, and wow. science will back that up. That's a really important whether it's food, nutrition, or bullying, look at the date, the data was published. So the, the new study that was published in 21, uh, 2021 found that the bully in 50% of the cases was actually in a traumatic childhood place themselves. Most of that behavior is learned or it's a child who feels so insignificant, so unsafe with caregivers that they lash out, which is why I really want parents and school systems. I, I, I believe my personal opinion, the way to help cure this is to teach kids emotional regulation. We don't know what to do. I did not know what to do until I was in my forties mm -hmm. because well-meaning parents tell you don't act that way. Don't cry. Mm -hmm. Well, don't pout. Were you going to just sit in your room and cry all day? So we learn early that emotions are unacceptable, but yet we have them. And so we think the way we just sit with it or we stay quiet or we bury it or we start cutting, that's the reason people cut and do self-harm because physical pain hurts less in the moment than the emotional pain. It's not knowing what to do with it and I've got to take it somewhere. Why punching someone feels better in the moment than dealing with with the pain that I'm feeling emotionally mm. because emotional pain and physical pain are so closely linked in the brain. They both hurt. And there's one research study out there that shows if people take aspirin for heartache, that it actually makes it better because it's in the same location of the brain. What? Yes. Is that not crazy? Oh my gosh. That is amazing. Emotional pain really hurts. We just don't have a place to point to. Oh gosh, and it lasts forever, forever sometimes. Sometimes forever, yeah. for sure. I mean, there's things I can think about that are emotional pain and, and it's very, very painful. Yeah. I mean, I just get emotional. I mean, you want to cry. And we, all of us can look back and we think of something where someone hurt us or maybe somebody, you know, bullied us. And back when I was a kid and people bullied us, it was different, I think, than it is now. I think now it's much more prevalent because of the internet and people see it and there's cyberbullying and, you know, social pressure for kids is mm. higher than it's ever, ever, ever been. And we've got to look at somewhere besides the end result mm -hmm. and punishing the bully. Okay. Well, that works, but that doesn't fix the pain that's done. Mm -hmm. It doesn't fix it for the next bully. We've got to go behind and go further and further back to fix the problem, not just collect the bully and put him in juvie mm -hmm. or, you know, that that's not solving the problem. Right. That's just putting a bandaid on it. That's right. For sure. And, and, and you, I think you said this, like they may, this may be a learned behavior from uh -oh. home. Absolutely. And what they understand now is these kids, so many of the time want to feel better. 
and and this is really important about what bullying does is give the bully a huge dose of adrenaline and dopamine. So I'm always looking for the scientific mm -hmm. connection, but bullying gives adrenaline to the bully. He's feeling powerful. He's feeling like he's, you know, in charge because normally they feel weak. They feel like they don't belong. And let's say even like a gang member, somebody that's as violent as that, what are they actually wanting to prove their worth, to show they belong, to show they're the top dog? All of those are brain regulated things. They're wanting to be bigger than they are. So if I move up, I push you down mm. and that's where bullying starts. But it also activates dopamine and everybody has heard dopamine and how strong and powerful it is in the brain. But it in the reward center of your brain, that's where the dopamine gets activated and you get the reward. You won. Mm. You made them cry. You stole their lunch money. You pushed them down. You win. So you're adding in adrenaline and dopamine to the bully. And that's why they keep doing it. It's just like a drug almost. Mm -hmm. It's giving them a feeling that they do not get at home. They do not get at school. They never feel like the top dog anywhere else, except for when I make you feel terrible. And that's where we need to work on correcting the problem because the data is very crystal clear. Happy, mature people do not bully. Ugh. I can't imagine bullying. No, I can't imagine it either. Nor can a happy kid no. would never hurt someone, but hurt people hurt people. They do. Because they want to feel better. And making you go down makes me come up. And unknowingly, they're activating brain chemicals that do make them feel better. So, Stacy, are bullies born or are they made? They're made. There, there is no brain that, as of right now, that they, you know, have looked at a, a child's brain and go, yep, you're going to grow up and be a bully. Now, that being said, you know, there are psychopaths and there are people like that. We're not talking about that. That's a different type of brain. But for the most part, you know, people that are just mean in junior high, mm -hmm. and that is the years that bullying goes up the most between 11 and 13, so that's the prime middle school, junior high years. That is really the meanest time because look at why. Instead of looking at what we can do to get rid of the bully, we need to look at why it occurs in the first place. That is the most unstable that those kids ever feel. They're wanting to belong. Their brains are going through a very highly activated shot of hormones. It's going through a phase called pruning, when your brain is getting rid of things it no longer needs. Those kids are in an emotional state, which is why nobody likes junior high kids, that they are not taught to deal with. We need to teach kids, what do you do when you're angry? Besides, don't act that way, or you're going to get detention. That's not solving the problem. Mm -hmm. That's just looking at it on the outside and moving it away. What do you do when you're sad? What is there to do besides cutting or crying or all these things. And if parents will just look at their kids and we, we kind of look at angry and sad. So let's just take those two. Angry is a, a surge of energy. So why do they want to punch things? Because it releases their energy. They don't, why do you road rage and people mm -hmm. cut you off or honk or flip you off? It's a release of energy. 
So if you look at what could we do when my kid's mad, teach them what to do with that energy. Teach them how to burn that off. Go outside, take a walk, let yourself release energy, scream, dance, Mm -hmm. play your favorite music really loud. Do something besides be a bully, besides hit people, besides cut people off in traffic. Grown people don't know how to regulate their emotions either, which is why we see almost every day in the news, somebody shot somebody in traffic. Yeah. What the heck? (laughs) Like they didn't wake up today and go, you know what? I believe I'll cut off the third red car I see. I hope I take them out. It's not personal, but people take it very personal. So the same thing goes for sadness. What do you do when your kid is sad? Sadness is a drop of energy, low, low state. So what do you do? Help your kid pull their energy back up, play their favorite music, go for a walk with them, hug them, let them feel the energy of you, feel safe, feel comfortable, feel seen, feel heard, feel understood. Instead of telling them, you'll get over that. Right. Stop crying about that. You're acting like a baby. None of those things. We mean well, but that doesn't help because you're not shifting energy. You're actually making it worse. Isn't that amazing? So what do we tell the parents that the child's being bullied? What? How does the parents, what do they do? Number one thing, you've got to learn to ask your kids the right questions. Because most parents say, how was school today? Or, you know, what'd you do today? What'd you learn today? And I learned early on that my kids always said the same thing. Fine. How was school? Good. What'd you learn? Nothing. You know, it was just the same stuff over and over and over. And so my son, who is a freshman in high school now, when he gets in the car every day, I'll say, tell me something awesome that happened today. Or tell me something you did nice for somebody today. Tell me something you wish was different today. And that's a great way to get your kids to tell you what's actually happening at school. Tell me who your friends are. Who's your best friend today? Who's your favorite teacher? Why do you like that teacher? Oh, your friends are in that class. Hell, if you know your kids being bullied or you feel like they do not belong, it's so important to help your kids feel connected because that is the secret. Bullies find the person that's the loner. They find the person that doesn't have a collective group. Nobody goes and attacks a group. They pick out the single kid that they feel like they can dominate. Because if I go up, you go down. They're not going to pick somebody bigger. They're not going to pick somebody stronger. They're going to pick somebody they can go up. Mm -hmm. So if that kid has friends, if that kid is in a group, it's much more difficult and they'll usually go somewhere else. So if you know your kid is a loner, help them make friends and give them permission to invite people to come spend the night, put them in soccer, put them in art class, let them join piano, whatever it is that your kid has an interest in. It doesn't have to be sports. It doesn't have to be athletics. It doesn't have to be violent. But as long as they got a group, Mm -hmm. that is the secret. And then the second thing I would say is help your kid build confidence because confidence is truly the game changer because I have people say stuff to me all the time. They, you know, the cyber bullies attack pretty much everybody on social media, but it no longer bothers me because I've got way more confidence than to let somebody I don't even know. And, you know, Tim Buck two tell me my hair is stupid. Right. Okay. Well, Don't have that hair. Good for you. (laughs) Right. Some days I hate it too. It doesn't affect me 
But if I had low confidence, sure. it would really hurt me. Really? So what can we do to help our kids feel confident? We can help them by putting them in activities, helping them see other kids mess up and fail and do things, helping them see that you're not going to crumble and be the role model. Show kids like, you know, I tell my son all the time, like, oh my gosh, I burnt toast. Like seriously, how many things can I screw up? And so he's learned now when he messes up, mom messes up all the time. She still likes herself. She still feels confidence. A mess up is not a failure unless we let it be. Absolutely. So should the parent reach out to the school district? Absolutely, Absolutely. right? Yes. But if you see something, say something. Because that's why bullying keeps going on. Because it's filled with shame for the person who's being bullied. And parents just don't know what to do. Mm -hmm. They sometimes feel like they'll make it worse. And, you know, telling your kid to just ignore it and all those things we kind of used to do, that that doesn't Mm -hmm. work so great anymore either. Because now they're cyberbullying. And, you know, there's so many other aspects about it. But it's really important, especially if your kid has um, a good teacher or, you know, somebody at the school you can trust to say, okay, this is what's going on. Can my son, you know, sit by his friends, can make sure they've got somebody to sit with at lunch, like all those places where kids get singled out, which is a lot of times at recess or on the playground or, you know, in junior high where you have to go to PE and, you know, maybe you're not athletic, maybe you might be a little overweight and you've got to put on gym shorts and things like that. There's things the school can do to help that. You also, however, don't want your kid to have a whole separate set of rules because that calls more attention to them. And I remember when I used to teach, I had parents that sometimes wanted their kid to have all kinds of rules, you know, and I complied with it, but it actually made the kids more focused on mm -hmm. what they got to do that was different than them. So it, you have to walk a very careful line. But if kids feel happy, loved and secure at home, it makes them able to tolerate it much better. Their resilience is very different than a kid who feels like they can't talk to their mom, who feels lonesome at home, feels like nobody understands me at home. And there's a lot you can do at your own house that makes a big difference out in the world. Absolutely. And building confidence for sure. Confidence Just like is you're key. saying. Yeah. You know, the um, the cyberbullying and, and, and the suicide of, of teens and children is just riveting. I mean, yes. the numbers are staggering and, you know, we hear it and how did we not know? And how do we know? But the cyberbullying, I mean, and you and I, I, I know your, your son is 14, but how do you protect him from the cyber, from the internet? Yes. And we talked a lot about this because he's a freshman this year. And, you know, I ask him questions every day, but I'm very careful that my questions will draw out information that I want to know, but I make them fun and light. So he doesn't realize that I'm actually <laughs> getting information out of him. Um, because I did that with my older kids for years. I would say, how was school? Fine. You know, all mm -hmm. that. And I never knew anything that was going on. But he has said to me, this year is so much better because people don't bother you nearly as much. And I said, okay, explain that to me a little more. And he said, junior high was brutal, mom. And he said, everybody wants to be the top dog. And so they're always making fun of everybody and everything. He said, in high school, 
pe- there's so many more people. And so there's almost a click for everybody. Mm-hmm. And so he's super musical and he wears, you know, kind of crazy rocker clothes and earrings and all. He's got long hair and he just is good with it. And he's got his group of musicians. He's got the band. He, but I work really hard at home because I know he's definitely not athletic. He doesn't fit that mold. And I work to build confidence at home so that when somebody does say something to him at school, he's like, dude, you're going to be buying a ticket to my show one day and I'm going to (laughs) be up on the stage laughing. Yeah. And I remember one time Brady told me that one of his friends was getting bullied and they were probably, I think, in the fourth grade then because he was still in elementary school. And Brady took up for his friend, which is important too. We need to talk about that. But Brady told the other kid, you need to stop doing that. That's so mean. And the other kid said, fine, then I won't talk to you either. And Brady said, well, I'm kind of awesome and you're going to regret that. (laughs) (laughs) That confidence you put in here. It's so important to build that confidence in your kids Mm -hmm. and confidence in the brain is a learned behavior. And people used to think you either had it or you didn't, or that you had to, you know, be the superstar and the homecoming queen and the, you know, fastest runner in third grade in order to be confident. But that is not true. Confidence is a skill that can be learned. How do you learn it? By repeating things over and over and over. That's how we get good at it. If your kid loves, I don't know, fish, Go fishing every Friday. If your kid loves music like mine, he plays seven instruments. I encourage what he's good at. Mm-hmm. So when somebody tells him, you he's know, he can't shoot a basketball, he's like, dude, who cares? Yeah. I can play the guitar circles around you. Sure. And he has his own kind of confidence. And that is truly, I think, my opinion, the secret. If you build confidence in your kids, they can take a lot of punches. They can't. And you know what? There's so much for so many children now. You know, back when you and I were in school, it's sports. You were an athlete or nothing. Or cheerleader. Or cheerleader One or nothing. Yeah. That's it. Dance line. I mean, yeah. it was it. That was it. And and I do see now there's, you can be, you there's can technology. Everything. You yes. can do so there's many There's archery. There's uh, swimming. There's, yeah. I mean, there's weaving classes. There's everything. Help your kid find their people. You know, I also have heard, um, and 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 I know this for a fact, that sometimes parents think that the solution is, well, let's put them in a class and learn how to fight, or let's yeah. let's do. In my opinion, violence with violence is not the answer. Right. I, I'm, I'm not saying that a martial arts class couldn't make them feel more confident. Right. For sure. For sure. But going to beat his ass is not not the solution. Not the solution. And you just said it. The secret is: is that building confidence in your kid? Or is your kid going there full of fear, thinking this is the only solution to beat the bully? Know why they're going and watch your kid. If they're in karate or jujitsu and they hate it and they're crying every day and they don't want to go, you're actually probably doing more harm than good because that type of kid will most likely not be able to, like, he's, that's just not, <laughs> not as who yeah. they are. But mm-hmm. if they're going and they're like feeling confident and they're like, oh my gosh, this you know, is it. Me, I, I busted a piece of wood. Then maybe, yes, it could be beneficial. But bullying has three parts. And this is really important for people to understand. It's, think about like a bow and arrow or archery. So you have the target, you have the bow, and you have the arrow. 
the person who's being bullied is the target. And the bully is the bow, but the weapon is the arrow. Some of the weapons are cyber. Some of the weapons are violence. Some of the weapons are words. And you have to correct the pieces correctly or you're going to fail. So let's say your kid's the target. So how does the bully hit the target? The target stays there and never moves. So learn to teach your kid to move the target. Learn to give them confidence. Learn to move them over to the friend group. You've got to work with whichever piece you have. If your child is the bully, you know, what do you do? You learn to teach your kid, aim that anger somewhere else. Aim this toward, maybe they need to be the one in jujitsu. Maybe they need to, you know, walk the dog after school, burn that energy off instead of letting them shoot the target at this kid every single day. Amazing. Amazing. I mean, I'm just, I just so proud that you're helping so many people. I know. I, I mean, I truly, I saw it as a teacher and I saw it in my son. You know, my oldest son was a superstar athlete. He never really encountered that, but my youngest son is, he's a musician and most people think band kids are nerds until they're Adam Levine and they're paying $300 to go to his concert. <laughs> but you have to realize how your kids are feeling. We have to learn to ask the right questions and we have to look at which piece of the puzzle our kid fits into. And really and truly, it's important that you help your kid know to say something because the silence is just making it worse. Mm -hmm. And and really, even in adults, 86% of people never say anything when they see a bully. And that's I the know. reason they keep doing it. I know. Because they can. They can. I know. It's Together, amazing. we are much stronger than we are apart. Exactly. For sure. Oh, my gosh. Stacy, thank you so much. You are so welcome. I just adore you. Always have, always will. All these episodes. Okay. You have... A new podcast. I do. I mean to tell you, a mental makeover. Yes. So, you know, some people go, oh, I want a podcast. I want a podcast. Are we here to say that it's a lot of work? It is a lot of work. It, it is, is a, a lot of work. It's a lot of work, but, but it's very my, rewarding. It is very. For me especially, because my goal has always been to make neuroscience accessible to the world, not just in school, not just in books, and to make it simple and easy, because I truly believe your brain is the missing piece of the puzzle. I lived 45 years of my life feeling like something was wrong with me and I was broken. And little did I know my brain was just doing what it was designed to do. That's great. We just need to know what that design is. Absolutely. <laughs> and y'all, uh, take a look at her book, Find One Good Thing Journal. Um, if you could tell, what is, I mean, tell, it's the gratitude journal. It's a journal. gratitude journal, but it's backed by science. And it is a relief for all those people out there who are trying to make a list of 20 things every day. You find one good thing, but I show you how to activate that one thing so that your brain will change. It's not saying thank you. We're going to link this fabulous book, everyone, um, at the show notes and in your podcast, of course. And I just can't thank you enough for A, being my friend and actually helping me rewire my brain and so many others. So thank you so much. So how we can how can we find you? At thegratefulbrain.com. And I send out a newsletter every week. It's free and it's got cutting edge research. I always stay on top of research and I give you one strategy, one step, and one tip, and action is what alters brain function, and that's the best way to do it. 
Y'all do follow her and uh, go to her newsletter because I mean, follow her and, and subscribe to her newsletter because I see this each week and I get so excited because she's my friend, but I learn so much. So please go to her. Now, y'all, thank you so much for listening today. Again, go to YouTube, rate, subscribe, let us know what you want to think. And everyone have a wonderful day. Speak out, speak up. Let's, let's all learn from each other and be kind. But everyone, have a great day and keep being fabulous. Thank you.